the wonders of blood. Uh, it's an impossibility to go through all of it in a in as short a time as I would probably have to do this, but we'll get through some of it. One of the miracles of creation, and uh, it really is a miracle, and uh, we see here this uh, facsimile, I guess you could say, of Jesus nailed to the cross. It's one of the very, very few pictures that I've ever found that's actually got the nail and the wrist in the right place where it should have been. Uh, most of them have it through his hand. But uh, we look at this and, uh, in Psalm 139 and verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are, are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. And I think that's something that we can uh, too often become very complacent about, is how wonderfully made we are, and how marvellous the works of God really are. Um, we need to think about that, and think about how amazing our bodies are. Um, <clears throat> I've got to the point where I... I Sort of don't want, don't like using the words incredible and unbelievable because God does things. We see them, we understand them, and they're very credible and very believable. And so when we apply it to uh, God's works, incredible and unbelievable don't fit. Uh, they are uh, the wrong words to use in regard to the Word of God. First Corinthians six nineteen. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You're not your own. But we understand that when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, we know that we're bought with the price, and we understand the price. And later we'll do we'll have communion. We'll understand the price that Jesus made in the in the, the shedding of His own blood on our behalf, which is. It's sometimes we're, we're far removed from this and we find it a bit difficult to understand. But when you start to understand what blood really does, uh, perhaps it'll be a little somewhat of a help to you to understand that when Jesus shed his blood, how healing that really is for our souls. It's quite a remarkable thing. Hebrews 9.22 And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. And from Jesus Christ in Revelation 1.5, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of king, the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And so blood figures a lot in the whole redemption process of uh, our lives, our souls. Um, we travel around in this dying body. The soul is going to live forever, and uh, uh, we're we're dealing with a God who is saving souls. We know the body is not going to be saved because that's corruptible and mortal. So it's the soul that's being saved, and He shed His blood for our souls. He washed us in His own blood. Here we see there is something that you always hope that you never see: your own blood because it usually means you've suffered either a severe illness or a trauma of some, some sort. And so the last thing you want to do is see your own blood. Uh, however, I'm sure pretty much every one of us uh, throughout our lifetime have seen our own blood. And when we see our own blood, um, we usually grab something and we wash the wound and, and we 
put pressure on it as we uh, understand now that pressure helps to uh, uh, close up the wound. We do all the right things to stop the blood from leaking out. There's a good reason for that. <coughs> How little to do such an amazing job. You're born with a little over a pint of it. Half a litre. Uh, by adulthood, you're up to four or five quarts. It's about two litres, I believe. And if you have, if at any point you suddenly shed more than a third of your share, you must either get a transfusion or prepare to meet your mortician. It's a very, very serious thing to lose a third or more of your blood. Your blood pressure drops. Everything starts to shut down. Your heart is not getting enough uh, blood to uh, keep working. It starves from oxygen uh, deprivation because you, your heart is a very, very oxygen-hungry organ. needs all the blood it can get. If your heart doesn't work, your brain doesn't get blood, within three minutes you've either got brain damage or you're dead. So it's a very, it's a very important thing to have enough blood in your system to keep the system running. Otherwise, you're in, you're in really serious trouble. <clears throat> the circulation system, blood, the fluid tissue we call blood not only feeds us and cleans us, delivering fresh oxygen and other nutrients to all 100 trillion cells of the body and flushing out carbon dioxide, ammonia and other metabolic trash. It also houses the immune system that defends us against the world. And again, we see there's a likeness here of the Word of God and the atoning uh, grace of God, the atoning action on the cross that Jesus Christ uh, went through for us. The Word of God is our food, it's our nutrition. The Word of God also helps us to flush the garbage away out of our life. <clears throat> and certainly when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, only because Jesus Christ died, it does deal with the trash in our lives. And what happens then? We have an immune system that defends us against the world. The Holy Spirit defends us against the things of the world. We, we have a, a greater sense of right and wrong, a greater sense of morality, and a greater sense of ethics, and uh, what's right, what's wrong, what's justice, what's injustice, etc., etc. So all of these things we understand, we know, because we get filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the blood essentially does very much the same thing in our bodies. So, First John 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so, if the world comes in and tries to invade our bodies, the immune system kicks in and tries very, very hard to kick the world out. The infections and diseases of the world, the body, the blood, fights that. And it's got a very, very powerful system in place in our bodies to... Uh, fight the things that try to invade us. So by his stripes, <clears throat> the blood contains the immune system cells that defend us from all kinds of diseases. They train themselves. How this could ever have evolved is, is just amazing. They train themselves to recognize bacteria and organisms that can cause us serious illnesses. Breast milk is essential in this process as it kickstarts the immune system of a baby in the first eight days after a child is born. It's interesting that science knows that this is very important to us, that in the first eight days that, that breast milk 
uh, or colostrum, I believe they call it, is uh, given to the baby <clears throat> to kickstart the immune system. In the Old Testament, the males in Israel were not circumcised until the eighth day when the immune system was in place, when the immune system had, had the kickstart that it was supposed to have, so that when the, the child was uh, circumcised, it had it had the uh, it all had already had the army in place there to fight any sort of uh, infections that might come through that process. So God knew what He was doing. He knew the right time for the right things. He understood the whole process. Why He made it. He made it and He put it in place. And so we see that it's very very important for us. These are the white cells. All of these different white cells have a different job to do in our system. They all work at slightly different times to combat sickness and disease. The world has taken on a, a whole thing. This is not, this is not political or, or I'm not trying to change anybody's minds about vaccination or anything like that. It's just something that's happened. It's happened over uh, a, a longish period of time, probably the last 150 years, where vaccination has become almost necessary. A lot of people don't do it in this country, but um, they, it's become necessary because of a very good reason. Uh, there is now the view uh, that's come to light in very recent times that vaccination is not the same as natural immunity. The immunity that women get from vaccination will not be passed on to her children during pregnancy like natural immunity will nor can it be passed on in the same way through breast milk, notwithstanding the fact that mothers today, a lot of mothers today, don't want to breastfeed their children. I believe that's changing. <clears throat> because of this, children now need to be vaccinated against most known diseases because their immune systems don't get the kickstart they need. And it has been found that vaccination actually compromises the natural immune system. So it doesn't work as well as it used to before all the vaccination things started. So you probably need to have your children vaccinated these days because what's happened? The world has weakened our natural immune systems and it's a, it's a sad thing for that to have happened. I guess everybody that did that thought they were doing a great job. It really wasn't a great job at all. As it seems with most things these days that man does, he kind of wrecks it. <clears throat> T cells are responsible for long-lasting protection against infections. There are four types of T cells, each with special purposes. Helpers, that helpers detect infection when they get the other and get the other cells of the immune system ready for battle. Helper T cells also, also tell B cells to produce antibodies, highly specialized proteins that help defend the body against infection. Cytotoxic or killer T cells destroy infected cells. Regulatory T cells tell the immune system when the battle with the pathogens is over and to stop fighting. If they don't stop fighting, people uh, that have this problem, autoimmune diseases, happen when this system breaks down. They don't have the regulatory T cells to tell their body not to continue the battle. And so the battle goes on and uh, people end up with um, uh, a lot of very, very uh, terrible diseases because of that. And the memory T cells remember how to defeat an infection and can respond rapidly 
if the same infection occurs. So we've got the, the four different ones. You've got the T-cells for the long-lasting protection, helpers that detect it and send messages to the others. Get on the job, guys. You've got the killer T-cells. They're the Marines. They go for it. The regulatory T-cells say, all right, the battle's over. All stop now. And the memory T-cells remember what it's all about. They're the guys that keep the books. And they can respond. It's like, oh, we got one of these again, so we need to get to there and get it sorted out. So how any of that, how they could ever say that this was all a product of evolution is beyond imagination because if it was, there'd be no people left on the planet <clears throat> because we'd have all died while this is trying to work itself out. And we'd have all probably died uh, uh, of probably the common cold or, or something as ridiculous as that. Um, I know the common cold is a miserable thing to get, but uh, here we are. We've got we've got the army to help us to destroy all these things, all nicely bundled up in our blood. Your blood vessels could wrap around the earth twice. If all your blood vessels were laid out linearly, they would extend sixty thousand miles or ninety-seven thousand two hundred kilometers. That's right, your capillaries, arteries, veins combined are over twice as long as the Earth's circumference. So your blood's got a long way to travel around your body to do the job that it's supposed to do. And again, you know, we probably would have all had arms and legs drop off if that had to evolve, or we'd have veins sticking out of our skin somewhere while the, the, the arms and legs came into being, and we'd have bled to death for some reason. <coughs> Your blood travels cross-country and back. That's in the USA, probably in Australia as well. The circulatory system is your body's blood-pumping machine. Blood quickly courses through the body, making its rounds three times in a minute. In a day, your blood travels a total, total of 12,000 miles. That's longer than driving the entire perimeter of the United States. Try that in a day. Your heart pumps enough blood to fill three super tankers. An average human heart pumps a million barrels of blood in a lifetime. To meet this quota, the heart pumps blood at a rate of five litres per minute, and it takes hard work to do so. Your heart, despite its size, is the hardest working muscle in your body. Your blood cells, every blood cell is replaced, on average, every 120 days. <coughs> Blood is the one tissue that comes into contact with every other tissue of your body. It's through blood that our disparate parts communicate. It's through blood that our organs cooperate. Without a circulatory system, there would be no internal civilization, no means of ensuring orderly devotion to the common cause that is us. Reminds us what? Of the Holy Spirit, of course. Right? We... We wouldn't, we wouldn't exist without the Holy Spirit to keep us together. We belong to the household of God and, uh, and it works. Praise the Lord. Spiritual bad fat. <clears throat> the fruit of the, the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you won't die. And that was a lie. God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. <clears throat> we know good, we also know evil. Being involved in good is great, 
being involved in evil is not, and that, that will kill you. And so evil is the bad cholesterol for your soul. You want to stay away from that. Uh, and cholesterol in the blood, too much of the wrong cholesterol is not good for you either. Too much or out of balance. It is uh, very, very, very bad to have the whole thing out of balance. Here's the guy that do the These are the uh, the long haul guys of the uh, transport system inside the body, <clears throat> the red blood cells, amongst others. By age ten, your heart muscle cells stop growing and last the rest of your life. The red blood cells they average out. All of the blood cells average out about 120 days, and there they are in all their glory. I'm always I think about the arteries and the veins and, the, and the, the, all the blood vessels in your body with all that flying through your system at such a, a rate of speed. How could it not wear out? Um, but it doesn't. It keeps us going. And uh, certainly done a great job in my body, I know that. <clears throat> and look how roughly they're treated. A red cell at rest looks like a, a plump bile. I think it looks like a lifesaver, but still or uh, <clears throat> one of those things, and measures about 8 microns, or that number, inches across, yet to reach every fast-run, oxygen-hungry customer, the cells must squeeze calories less than half their width, which they accomplish by squashing down into threads that when they crawl in single file along the capillary wall, pulling themselves forward like tank treads gripping the road. So they go down to the furthest reaches where our body needs oxygen, it needs uh, sustenance, it needs glucose and all the sugars and things uh, that we need in our body. The blood takes it there. And then once it's got, once the load's gone, it picks up the trash and takes the trash back and, and dumps it off either through the lungs or the kidneys or the liver. So it's quite a, a remarkable job when you think about it. And uh, you know, it's just absolutely no way that this could possibly have been something that's the product of evolution. It's an absolutely impossible thing, unimaginable. Bone marrow produces stem cells. It's, it's all it produces, stem cells. The stem cells get uh, uh, messages through... Uh, well, the building blocks the body used to make the different blood cells, red cells, white cells, and platelets. The erythropoietin sends a message to the stem cells telling more of them to develop into red blood cells. Uh, that's a protein, I believe. And uh, it get mess gets messages. Uh, the stem cells get told what to do, and they do what they're supposed to do. And uh, they do... That, instead of being white cells, the body makes about 2 million new red cells every second. So it doesn't take long to build up good stores of them. Again. And what about your white cells and platelets? A number of other messenger proteins also stimulate the production of these cells in the bone marrow. So all these, all these little cells that are going about in our body, just in the blood, are quite remarkable. But just our body cells, them alone. So they, there it is. Evolution is an accident. Accidents are generally not very pretty. That's a wreckage of a car, actually, if you're wondering what it was or is. 
it's a wreckage of a motor vehicle. It looks like it's hit a pole and wrapped itself around a pole. Um, <clears throat> they claim evolution is a series of accidents, and uh, you know this is what an accident looks like. So you know, we don't look like that. Praise the Lord. We are certainly way better looking than that. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 For the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. This uh, George Washington was very ill had a high fever at one time and uh, <clears throat> the doctors came in and they were uh, the doctors of the day thought that bloodletting was the way to uh, cure the fever. And so they thought they'd do George Washington a favour. They opened up a vein, drained some blood out, and uh, the, uh, he didn't improve. He got worse, which is not surprising. Uh, so they opened up the vein again and drained some more blood out. Well, he obviously lost more than his third because uh, George Washington died. But on the bedside table... Sitting there was a Bible with this verse in it that nobody had ever read. That the blood, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And uh, so uh, medical science had a ways to go till they discovered that. But that shows you how, really how ignorant man is in regard to how the body works and still is. Uh, I had conversations with doctors and asked them, so how do you know what's going on inside somebody's body? And uh, so, well, we go on what they tell us, and we've opened up a lot of dead people to have a look and see what's inside them when they complain about something like this, and it kills them. And that is out of a doctor's mouth. So <clears throat> doctors, somewhat, they have to make educated guesses. They can't see inside of you. It's a bit unfortunate. Um, and x-rays don't do the job either. <clears throat> the healing process is, this. Is, to me, this is the most fascinating thing of all, was the one that has intrigued me the most. I'm sure there's other processes that I could look at that would intrigue me as well. <laughs> what, what's amazing about this is so much of what the blood does goes on inside of our bodies and it just does it. It just does it and it does it without fuss, without bother and, uh, and we just accept this and, and life goes on. Uh, it's not until something breaks or hurts or we, we leak a bit that uh, we become about what blood's doing um, <clears throat> but the healing process is what we see on the outside looks fairly simple but it's an extremely complicated process uh, only one, one job of many that blood undertakes quietly behind the scenes of all the processes performed, performed by our blood all of the processes performed by our blood are absolutely essential to our life and well-being. All of those processes have the marks of being designed and not evolved. They are complex. Not one step can be left out and still have the blood do its job. And there you go. I'm sure all of us had a, have had one of those. That's an owie. Somebody's fallen over. I don't know whether it's an ear or an elbow. Somebody's fallen over and got some gravel rash there. And uh, usually gravel rashes are rather painful. They've got little bits of stuff in there and you've got to go and wash it and that stings and, and all the nerve ends are exposed. And oh my goodness, it's a drama. Especially the younger you are, the bigger the drama it is. 
And uh, as you get older, you sort of grin and bear it, but it's still a bit of a drama. But uh, that's it. And that's the thing you don't ever want to see is your blood at the surface. And here it is leaking out. And you think, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen there? <clears throat> and uh, if you're old like I am, you don't have a mother to kiss it better. And that doesn't, usually doesn't make a whole lot of difference anyway. Uh, you just got to get on with life. You know, it's tough. So here we go. Stage one, the bleeding stops. First of all, the healing stages. Your body swings into action to stop the flow of blood. Your blood vessel walls narrow to let less of the red stuff through. In minutes, blood cells called platelets rush to the site. This makes it all sound like everybody, it's all thinking about this as it's doing it. Uh, proteins in your blood act like glue to make the platelets clump together and stick to the opening in the blood vessels. This forms a clot, which plugs the bleeding. So, you know, this is just sort of taken a, a big leap all in one hit here, but we're going to look at a diagram shortly that will give us a lot more detail about it. Inflammation, this is usually a bit of inflammation, it's almost unavoidable to get inflammation in an open wound. The blood platelets released a special chemical that causes inflammation. You might see some swelling and redness around the wound. We do. Usually at that point, kids will panic. We say, oh, that's okay, it'll get better as you get older. White blood cells head to the scene. They clear the injured area of bacteria, as we looked at earlier, and other germs to keep it from getting infected. Your white blood cells also make chemicals called growth factors that help repair the injured area. So already the repair, it started the repair job, and it's in, it's in full swing at this point. Things are happening. It's, it's a hive of activity on this little site where you've leaked a bit, and you, you really don't you don't see it. You really don't see it as as it's happening, but there's just some quite remarkable activity going on to stop your body from leaking all the blood out of your system and you dropping dead in a corner somewhere. It's really amazing. Your skin rebuilds. Now your body's healing process kicks into gear. Blood cells arrive to start building new skin. They give your wound the oxygen and nutrients it needs to heal and to grow new blood vessels. Chemical messengers direct cells to make collagen. Chemical messengers, what an amazing thing. Who would have thought of that? You know, surely your body got a leak one time during the evolutionary process, and it said to itself, my body needs some chemical messengers, and surely it can come up with that. Come on, body, make some chemical messengers for me so I can, I can get this all under control. In the meantime, that poor person's leaked to death, which is just a drama. And I wonder how many others did the same thing. No, it didn't happen like that. God built a perfect machine, and it worked from day one. Okay, chemical messages direct cells to make collagen. Some of us, we're losing our collagen. It's a little unfortunate. A protein that acts like scaffolding to rebuild the damaged area. You might see a scar which starts out red, but should fade with time. The home stretch, here we go. All things you need to rebuild your skin are now in place. The last stage of healing is about making the new skin stronger. You might see some stretching and puckering around the wound as the replacement tissue takes hold. Total healing can take days, months, or even years. And once the damage has been fully repaired, your skin should be about as strong as it was before the injury. 
That sounds like a fairly simple process, but it's not that simple. Um, here's my little diagram. The, the one with the, the red ring around it is the one that's kind of one of the really important bits of equipment that the body produces. Uh, it's fibrin called uh, factor 1A, I think it's 1A. It's fibrous non-globular protein involved in the clotting of the blood. It is formed by the action of the protease thrombin on fibrinogen, which causes it to polymerize. The polymerized fibrin, together with platelets, form a hemostatic plug or clot over a wound site. Okay, now, I'll just make that a little simpler. If you're going to pour concrete, you put a mat in it to keep it strong. And then you pour the concrete. That's what fibroblasts do. They're actually dissolved in the blood. They're completely soluble. And when you get a wound, a message goes out to the fibroblasts or the fibrin around the, um, the wound site. And it's one of those chemical things. You know, the, the chemical guys yell out, Hey, all you fibroblasts, come over here. And, and come on, get a bit solid, will you? Because we need some help. We need some reinforcing rods here to keep this blood together so it stops you from leaking to death. So this is what that part of it does. And I'm, uh, in, when I was talking about this today in London earlier, um, I was talking about when I was a kid, most kids will pick at a scab and pick it off. And I was one of those very inquisitive kids. I picked it off and I looked at it and I pulled it apart and I thought, golly, there's hair in there. There's hair in my scab. What's hair doing on my scab? And I hadn't lost any off my arm apart from where I got scraped when I fell over, but there were little hairs inside this scab. And the little hairs were this stuff, fibrin. And it was there as like the reinforcing mat in concrete. It was there to hold the scab together while it solidified and hardened. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. It's and it forms a cap over the uh, the um, wound, keeps it covered, keeps it protected because it's really tough and hard. And so underneath that, you've got another process that takes place where the skin starts to grow over where it was scraped away. And as it gradually grows over, the scab lets go of where the skin grows. And you find that the scab slowly peels up off the wound where the new skin is. By the time it closes up the skin, the scab falls off. Unless you're silly like I was, you pick it off. Like a lot of kids do. And mothers say, don't pick your scabs off. So but they do anyway, and that's what happens. So, between this, the injury, and this, the healed wound, all that happens. All that stuff. So there's an amazing amount of, amazing amount of stuff happens between the injury and the healed wound, and it's all that. And it's amazingly complicated. There's a, a whole bunch of messages between bits and pieces in your blood telling this thing to do this and that thing to do that, and the, and the army comes in and cleans up the wound. And and it, it just, and we look at it and say, oh, it's all right, let me take a few days. I'll, I'll be better in a few days. And we're probably not very aware of what is really going on inside this little bit of skin that's being taken off your body. It's a hive of activity. 
until it's all fixed and the scab falls off. And that pretty much stops you from bleeding to death. An amazing thing. Absolutely amazing thing. And there you go. The outward man perishes. The inward man, through the blood, is renewed day by day. Hallelujah. So you can still play your video games and look wide-eyed and happy and cheerful. So, <clears throat> so 1 Peter 2.24, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And so Jesus was wounded for us, and through that wounding, the Holy Spirit was given to us on the day of Pentecost, and we've been healed. And it talks about, I believe in the Old Testament, it talks about the breach. There was a breach there between God and man, and that had to be, that had to be healed. And it was only through Jesus Christ that that breach could be healed and his sacrifice. So we were very, 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 very fortunate people, very privileged people to have the honour of being filled with the Spirit, to have reacted to the gospel the way that we did. If your blood is a miracle, how much more the rest of your body? But even more than that, which you cannot see, your soul. Praise the Lord when Jesus Christ does come back, and uh, hopefully it will be soon. I want to be around to see it all happen. Um, <clears throat> but he's not coming back to, to save the mortal body or the corrupt body. He's coming back to save our souls. He's going to clothe our soul in a new body that won't suffer any of these problems. It'll be the everlasting body, uh, one that won't wear out, one that won't get sick. None of the ills of this world will bother us. And if we think our bodies are a miracle now, the one we're going to get is, is going to be beyond beyond anything that we ever could think or imagine at this point in time. And so for those uh, perhaps that are watching this, that have uh, come here and watching for the first time, Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, they asked the question, what do we do? How do we heal the wound? Tell us about the miracle. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Many are called, few are chosen. You need to be one of the chosen. Amen.